You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the weekend edition of the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Here's Weston Nakamura to break down everything you need to know. Hi everyone, my name is Weston Nakamura from Real Vision in Tokyo, and I have the honor and privilege of bringing the great Kyla Scanlon uh, to Real Vision YouTube. Welcome, Kyla. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. So I've been a um, I've been a follower and a big fan of your work for some time now, um, and I guess one can even say that I, in a way, attempt to do what you do brilliantly well. Except I do it with more horrendous outcomes, but which is basically making you know original content discussing financial markets, economic themes, um, but you know with a twist of amusement or humor um so that it's not just like a bland bowl of cheerios um or as you would say put some spiciness onto it um so um so yeah so so i i basically i'm i I try to be you and i fail welcome to the real vision half day briefing just after market close i'm ash bennington i'm sorry uh i'm weston akamura hello levergrand you owe me money and you're gonna give me my money New management, who this? This is your f***ing creditor. Dollar bond or yuan bonds? Dollar. It's true that in the last uh, year and a half, oil prices continue to decline. But These are systematic flows. These are not human traders who are like standing around waiting for the earth to rumble under their feet and then hit the buy button on Bitcoin. Like, no. They get under the kitchen table first and then they buy their earthquake Bitcoin. Anyway, let's just see how this whole thing shakes out. Um, <laughs> That's so... really kind. Thank you. <laughs> Oh no! It's actually it's more so how terrible I am, but yes, I am I am confident you as well. But um, so if I had to guess, I'd say that there is approximately zero people who would know who I am, but who don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, um, what I want to do today is to find out you know who who Kyla Scanlon is, what your process is, things like that, um, and then we could also discuss things that are currently happening, um, but. If we don't get to that, I'm sure that um, we'll we'll see shortly um, with your work. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess if you can, you just give us uh, you know what your your background is um, and you know how you got into uh, this financial content creation um, world. Yeah, yeah. So I guess for the full background, um, and thanks for the nice intro and the self-deprecating humor. I'm a big <laughs> fan of self-deprecation um, in in terms of humor, but. Um, yeah, so I started trading options when I was in high school. That's kind of how I got into the the finance world. And I actually didn't know that finance was a major. So I was majoring in engineering when I got to university. And then I was like, oh, like this is something that I can actually study. So I switched into finance. Um, I started a blog when I was in college and wrote for Seeking Alpha and did like different equity analysis. Looking back, it's kind of painful because it's like, oh man, what was I thinking with some of the stuff that I was writing about? But that shows growth, I suppose. Bottom up fundamental like equity analysis, like, like yeah. five year DCF stuff like yeah. that. Cool. And cool. like, I, I, yeah, I love to do like whack analysis, which just, um, I'm not really sure why I'm so fixated on that. But 
so, so I did that all throughout college um, and majored in finance, econ, and data analytics, graduated in 2019, um, and then moved out to Los Angeles right away to work for a company called Capital Group, was in the TAP program, now known as the CAP program there, which is a, you know, an early career rotational program. So I sat on a high yield credit desk, I supported it, uh, an equity portfolio manager, um, and I worked on a really big ESG project, just learned a ton. It was super, it was a great experience, but I ended up leaving them in January of 2021 um, for a job at a company called OnDeck. And at OnDeck, I built out their investment education arm. So I had a pretty good sense of sort of like what investment education looked like and just how people were thinking about it. Um, and then I started making TikToks because uh, I left capital around the time that GameStop was happening. Mm -hmm. And there was a bunch of like really crazy information on about finance on TikTok. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool if I helped out here. Russia's economic collapse is going to impact you. Russia produces a lot of oil. Oil is over $100 a barrel and oil is more than just cars. It's in everything. Rugs, cabinets, lipstick, glasses, golf ball skis. Basically what they want to do is slow everything down. Businesses, stop spending. Stop paying people so much. If you don't pay people as much, they won't spend as much. If they don't spend as much, that means that prices won't go up. Monetary policy. We started using our horrible detrimental platform and use things like this. Because you broke our sap streak. London Apple. I control all ads everywhere by proxy. I all I wanted was to destroy the world. Of the world. This is under discussion. Fifty billion dollars lost on my birthday. Um, <laughs> right? Like, why not? Um, so I started making TikToks and did like these little market updates, and um, they did well. And started doing more like skit style things, and have always kind of had a newsletter. Have been writing for since college, right? Mm. Um, and then in September, I took the full-time leap because it was um, kind of an opportunity that I wanted to explore more and have the incredible uh, luck, I guess, to kind of explore it and really wanted to. So I've been doing this full-time since September and learn more every single day. So yeah, that's kind of the path. It was never intentional. It just sort of happened, which is, I think, really cool. Yeah. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, um, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> um, what what a what a what a journey um, and you know you're still incredibly young so that's that's quite a that's quite a resume so um, I guess um, first let me let me just ask you just really quick would you say that GME uh, has contributed to your rise for if not that and the you know opportunity you saw to tell people hey you know Securities can also go down sometimes too, right? Like, you know, if yeah. Not <laughs> uh, no, I, like maybe a little bit. I think a lot of people started paying attention to the markets when GameStop AMC happened, and so I think like that was probably beneficial. But I wasn't really on the platform when it was happening, so mm. I don't think I got the same boost that like maybe other creators did. But I still think, of course, like you know, the retail investor boom that we've had has obviously helped all content creators in the finance space everywhere. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that helped. Um, and then yeah, the main goal with with me is um, to really just help people kind of understand 
everything that's going on. So I don't really focus on like single stock stuff. I focus a lot on the economy, um, focus a little bit on crypto too. So the whole goal is just like tie a bunch of threads. And I have like my newsletter, my YouTube, my TikTok. I'm on Instagram with like reels and then the YouTube shorts. So I try to meet people. I have the, a podcast version of the YouTube. So I try to meet people where they need to be met in terms of like content distribution as well as production. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're everywhere. I was because I was gonna ask you. So, um, like, what what's your main? If you if do you even have a main um mm-hmm. sort of platform or not really? I mean, you have your Substack, you have your you know you have your YouTube videos. You know, I mean, I guess you're you're known for your t- your TikToks. What what would you consider to be your your main um avenue? I suppose. Um, I'm not sure. I guess in terms of frequency, it's definitely TikTok um, and Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts because I post on that almost every single day, just like a market update. Uh, in, in terms of, yeah, and I would say like I probably have the biggest following because of that. So if you're measuring just in terms of audience count, I'd say that's that's a big one. The newsletter is doing really well, which is really exciting because I, I really love to write. Um, YouTube is always a work in progress. Uh, so yeah, I'd say the TikTok is is probably like the the most Kyla that people know of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's it's actually kind of weird because it's like, um, because so your your newsletter, um, personally, I like your newsletter um, the most, oh, but thanks. yeah, but, but um, that's, you know, it's 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 hard to pick, but it's so it's so funny because your newsletter is, you know, obviously like humor and stuff doesn't come across. Not that it's supposed to necessarily be funny per se, but it is comparatively much more serious. Like if I just kind of read your newsletter, never knew anything else about anything. Else that you did, and then I saw one of your TikToks. I'd be like, okay, it's definitely not the same person. <laughs> right? um, but um, so I guess yeah, you kind of got into this, but like a little more like, what's what? What's your motivation? Like you know, you you put in uh, clearly a, a ton of time and effort into this, and so what drives you? Um, you know, I'm I'm guessing it's some form of educating uh the you know the prospective or current investor, um of of any level really um. Not necessarily investors, just people who are just interested um, in in what's going on in the world. Um, but what drives you really, I guess? Yeah, so I think it's like two things, right? So like there's the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation. So intrinsically, like this is just such a important opportunity and like such an incredible opportunity for me to have and for people to like to want to listen to my work and want to engage with my work and so like it, it just every day I get to wake up and like do this and so I think that's like a really big thing for me is like wanting to do a good job and it is a big time commitment but um especially mostly because the markets are just crazy um but so that, that's like part of it and then intrin- extrinsically uh so I'm from Kentucky and like money was always like a big question mark like how does it work? Uh, and I and it definitely understand that other people um, in other places uh, have that same thing. And that's part of the thing is that everywhere people are like, what is money, right? Like, what does that actually mean? Um, and so my goal is just to help people, you know, understand how the economy works. Like, what does it really mean when gas prices go up? What really is supply and demand? Um, what does the Fed actually do? Because the Fed is like such a huge driver mm-hmm. of a lot of the things that happen. And I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, um, so that's the main goal. Um, it's just to help people understand the broad scope of existence in terms of financial metrics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I guess this is going back to what you were saying about how you were tr- you were trading options without knowing that finance was a degree. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, right. Which which is a reflection of this just utter lack of 
you know, just basic kind of personal finance um, education in curriculum. Like you would think that that's something that you would learn in high school, right? Just mm-hmm. basic finance or even something like, like if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to go to jail. So maybe you should learn that. <laughs> like, you know, maybe you should teach that. Right. So, um, but, but uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that there's a complete lack of, not just a lack of uh, information or, or education out there, but there is a lot of terrible information out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, you know, you certainly do, uh, you know, put in a dent in like neutralizing a lot of that. So I think that that's, that's really wonderful. Um, so you are, you're looking at an infinite amount of things, anything that the world throws at you, you know, I mean, I guess I'm sort of the same way too, but mm-hmm. you're, you're basically ready for it. And, um, you know, one of the things I really admire about you is that you really, you really do your homework. Like you don't put out anything unless uh, you could tell, like, unless you've done like the due diligence, you, and you know what you're talking about, you don't put anything out there. Um, which I'm assuming is a conscious thing that you're doing, um, requirement. Uh, but with that said, you cover so many different topics. So I guess, like, can you, like, tell me what what your process is? Like, what, what's your, from your day-to-day or maybe, like, a broader, like, uh, process? Like, if you have a theme in mind, you keep it in the back of your head, you revisit things, you know, like, how do you keep your eyes on so many different things at once? And how do you distill all, the, all that information? And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I usually wake up, um, check pre-market data. That's kind of the first thing. Wake up pretty early just so I can kind of get a head start on all that stuff. Um, and then I sort of just start like compiling information. I have different tabs and I use a Notion document uh, so everything can kind of stay live. And I just sort of um, toss stuff in there, whether it's about like agriculture or oil or like credit markets. I just try to keep everything aggregated and write out little notes to myself there. Um, and usually I can tell if there's like a big theme, like today on March 8th, Tuesday, the big theme is nickel. Um, so I tend to pay a little bit more attention to the big themes that are happening and, and sort of try to like parcel out what's going on there. Uh, and then sort of like towards, and then I have quite a few meetings <laughs> throughout the day. Um, and then I try to, at the end of the day, just sort of aggregate all my thoughts and like, why did this happen? What does that mean relative to that? So I write myself like a little diary note um, and then I turn it into a TikTok, <laughs> uh, which is kind of a good way to keep track of everything. Uh, so that's kind of like the day to day. And then at the end of the week, I compile all the notes into a Substack article, film that, turn that into a YouTube um, and just kind of roll from there. So it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of like reading different substacks. Like there's so many good indie writers out there, I guess, like Rory Johnson is a great oil analyst. Um, uh, Joey, right, I don't know how to say his last name, but Joey does a lot of really good work around like labor statistics. So I just try to find those people who are experts in all this stuff. And I just synthesize what they're writing about and, and try to like connect the dots, which I, you do too. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm really glad you got to that last phrase that connect the dots thing. That's yeah. what I that's what I really um, have so much respect for you for um, and what what I really admire about you because this is what I try to do uh, all the time is dot connecting. Um, the, a lot of times like you know financial media or, or even market participants will just say like ABC is happening and XYZ is happening. And then they don't really make a connection, even if there's a connection, or they don't really even think to make a connection or attempt to make a connection. 
and that there are profound connections and that those those connections and tying things together or at least the the attempt to do so is uh you know critical value and i know that's something that you are always conscious trying to do it's really difficult to do too right but like how do you go about connecting dots yeah i mean so like most of the time it's just seeing what's happening on a day-to-day basis and being like oh like you know what's going on with nickel is probably going to create a little bit of contagion across commodities and like what does that mean for like ecb policy that's happening this week and fed policy um so right now it's kind of a little bit simpler to connect all the dots because there is sort of one big domino and that's russian sanctions um but also previously to that it was pandemic uh stimulus and then the after effect of that too um so the main goal is just to sort of like see how everything interconnects and like um you know agriculture leads to inflation and like all those things and i think that's the biggest thing is just like how do the dominoes tip and just trying to point that out yeah please keep doing that <laughs> i think you do a phenomenal job and you know yeah. i read some of your stuff and it, it triggers things in my head too so I'm, i really value that about you all right so let's let's talk about like some of the crazy things that are happening um yeah because there are some crazy things that are happening yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you touched on commodities commodities are i think that they're going up a lot recently so let's see. Um, say that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, one way to say it. Yeah, I think, well, directionally, I think I'm correct on that. Okay, so um, yeah. on the month, we're looking at crude at 45%. This is a w- one month. Uh, 45% up. Um, UK net gas and uh, European net gas is up 200%. Um Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just for, for energy, you know, I suppose. But then... Today, or last two days, really, we have LME nickel <laughs> futures that were up 90% and um, 111% um, day-to-day, and then they paused trading. You had a great term, um, meme commodities. Can you explain mm-hmm. to me what a meme commodity is? <laughs> I think I just did, but can you explain to me what a meme commodity is? <laughs> yeah, what- I... Yeah, I, I didn't coin that that phrase to be clear. Um, th- there's been a lot of like, uh, what the heck is this chart doing? Kind of vibes on Twitter. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just these things are trading like you would have seen GameStop trading a couple like a year ago, I guess. Um, uh, so it's just like you see these huge like wheat. Um, Lydium, like everything is just like spiking in price, which you would normally expect from a meme stonk or a meme coin. Um, but these are commodities, so it's way different, right? Uh, so that's kind of what's going on there is you're just seeing huge price spikes and things that like uh hopefully would never be doing this, but they definitely are. So yeah. Yeah, it's um the thing is that like it's real it's it is pretty scary though, because mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I actually put out like a, a tweet about this, but so first of all, this is like let's let's take nickel for example because nickel is like it in LME history this is like insane. Um, so fundamentally, it has nothing to do with it. Like nickel is like like if it's Russia driven or whatever, Russia is something like five percent of nickel global nickel supply and all. It doesn't warrant a two hundred percent two day rise. Um, but what you're getting though are things like um, these margin calls. We're talking. 20 something commodities that are in backwardation simultaneously like there are going to be some serious margin call sort of implications and what if that happens institutional investors and whoever across the board and and not just investors but like commercial producers and all that too like do you see a potential risk there 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's super concerning, right? Um, an LME suspended trading, but like it's kind of like the Moscow exchange suspending trading like you can only do it for so long and it doesn't really remove the risk entirely um so I think yeah it's just it's just worrying with the, what the commodities are doing and um like what that would mean for the firms that um are involved with that and just a, you know how it means for prices in general so yeah I agree with you at, at what point do you do you look at a price of something be it European net gas or gold up 3% today or, you know, nickel up, you know, 250% in two days. Like, where do you kind of draw the line between like, okay, this is now getting into non-fundamental craziness territory? Mm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little bit difficult, right? Like, I think a lot of this is just a function of fear. So like, what do these sanctions actually mean? And like, are we going to be able to fix it? So like, you know, today the U.S. announced that they were going to completely stop importing Russian oil and gas, right? Um, so that's going to, in the market already priced that in to a certain extent, but that's going to freak the market out even more because it's like, what does that mean? Like, are we, how are we going to work this out? Like, will we go to Iran, Venezuela? Um, so I think that a lot of this stuff is just the market not super knowing what's going to happen. And with wheat, right? Like Russia and Ukraine are 25% of global shipment. Mm -hmm. So where's that going to come from? Um, so I think a lot of that is just like, to your point about fundamentals, I'm not sure I can't like parcel out exactly what, what is what, but I think a lot of it is just fear, uncertainty, you know, volatility that's moving this stuff too. Mm -hmm. sure. yeah, and, yeah. And, and also probably maybe like also a lack of anything else to be long because you know, um, the lack of options, really. Um, and and the fact that nobody was is over, was overweight, like the energy sector still uh, by any means. Right. So um, I definitely have to keep an eye on like, so what? So, OK, so currently, let's say so LME copper, uh, uh, not copper, probably copper at some point, too. But uh, LME um, commodities are going crazy and all that um, going forward now. Right. Like so this now what does Kyla Scanlon do? With, with this, given this situation, how do you go about keeping an eye on it? You know, going back to your process, like using this as an example, I guess, what, what would you, where would you take it from here? Mm. Uh, yeah, so like right now I'm just trying to calibrate, like me personally, just trying to calibrate around what's going on. Like, why is this happening? Sort of what's the end game here? Like what can be the potential off ramps for each of these commodities? Like what's the solution? Um, and will that sort of placate the market or are we going to see like even worse problems begin to happen? So like with oil after uh, the US announcement today, it's going to be paying close attention to Iran and Venezuela and those talks and um, OPEC uh, too, and seeing what they're going to say about all this. Cause um, <laughs> Yeah, like incentives are a little misaligned <laughs> across the board there. <laughs> uh, and then wheat, I, like I think that I'm really a little nervous about that one um, and sort of like food insecurity in general because Egypt imports most of the wheat from Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, last time that there was a shortage of wheat, uh, we had, you know, um, you know, things get really tense politically everywhere. So uh, I think that's going to be important to pay attention to. And then just like what's going on um, with nickel, like nickel is kind of separate because that, that was a short squeeze. But I think that you could see more things like that begin to happen where all these people have short positions and then something crazy happens with the price and there's a squeeze. Um, so I think that's going to be important to pay attention to is like who's positioned where, why and how and, and try to gather as much information on that as I can. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's always something that's really scary too. Like because somebody is somebody. There are many people that have blown up from this this move alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that if it happens to be like um, you know some some massive hedge fund, um, they're gonna have to unwind other positions that have nothing to do with it, and that's going to have this ripple effect. And that's you know we've seen that with um, like Argos and positions like that. You know. There, those those single stock positions have nothing to do with each other fundamentally, but they all you know drop forty percent in an afternoon or whatever it was, um, because of this like mass like unwind and all that. I guess that's what scares me is like I I personally don't own any nickel or I'm not short any nickel or anything like that. There are you know and I have my set of securities that I care about, and so I th- those things I don't care about these I do. So why should I care about that? Well, you should care about those other things because. There are people that cross hold things that you care about and that thing that's blowing up over there, and so you're gonna have, you know, a, a domino effect as you were saying too. Um, so that's really what I kind of keep an eye on, and it's so non-transparent too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you, where do you? I guess where do you find like do you find like data and stuff like that? Do you just use kind of publicly available data for the most part? Yeah, yeah, like um, I, I mostly publicly available data, um, and then people on Twitter just like work in the industry, so they'll just say stuff, and you got to be careful because sometimes they're just saying stuff. But usually, if you can like sort of fact check them against other tweets that they have, uh, that can be pretty valuable. So just following like experts in each of these spaces, like there's a couple of nickel traders that were talking about this. Uh, I think a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I pay attention to too, and they'll kind of talk about like who's holding what is in trouble so. right right yes you're very very resourceful um yeah you have to be <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no but i mean that i i mean that like i like i um of course we all have to be and we are to a certain extent but you you are very gifted in that in that area i want to make a point of that so um yeah. uh yeah i think i think it's awesome i think that's what you also do like that value that you bring is that not a, everyone can do what you do because it's not just about um, doing your homework and you know putting out like a, a video. It's like you you are really good at this like information distilling and like proactively digging up resources and and then distilling it all together, right? So um, I don't know personally how you do it, even though it's kind of my job to do it myself. <laughs> so um, so yeah, like uh, I think it's it's great, but it's it's also kind of encouraging because. People think that people like Kyler, whoever, like if you have that level of knowledge about something, it's because they're probably paying a lot of money for some alt data or whatever it is. And it's really not the case. Like I use most of the stuff I use is like public data. So um, it's encouraging that like, yes, you can actually know a lot just from publicly available information. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't have access to a terminal. I don't even have access to cap IQ or anything like that, which kind of sucks, but um, it makes you kind of work a little bit harder to find everything. Fred is super great yeah. um, for, for data too. And then, yeah, like people will post charts of stuff and I'm like, oh yes, here's a chart for me. <laughs> uh, so uh, t- Twitter is definitely super valuable. Um, and then like the more that you kind of ask questions I found. So like if you DM people and you're like, oh, you posted this, like, what does that actually mean? Like, do you mind to explain a little bit more? Um, they'll kind of follow up and be like, hey, you should check this out. So it's, it's also about um, just like talking to people, <laughs> uh, which is super helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Indeed. Um, okay, so I just want to um, get your your view on um, central banks, specifically uh-huh. the ECB and the Fed. Um, 
it was not that long ago that everyone was dead certain <laughs> about, well, it was either 50 basis points or 25 basis points in March, but one of those. Then, when Ukraine really happened, and then you had Chairman Powell in front of the, I think it was the Senate committee, mm -hmm. or the House committee, like, basically saying, like, okay, in March, <laughs> at the March of OMC, we are going to raise 25 basis points, like, very clearly and all that, right? Do you think that this... Ukrainian crisis at, or like the markets, I guess, expectations of the Fed um, have changed and therefore it may have changed what the Fed and the ECB are um, respectively doing. And are they kind of no longer on the same general path of we are a little bit behind the curve and we need to start to tighten up policy um, because yeah. one of them is kind of geographically, you know, in the thick of it, whereas the other one's not. Yeah, no, I think the, it's. Uh, I think most people are in agreement that the ECB is not going to be able to do much in terms of tightening, just because their main goal is going to be providing support so Europe doesn't essentially implode financially. Um, so I think that's kind of the big one with Europe and the Fed, uh, you know, branching off. Uh, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but it'll just be interesting in terms of flows and, and what that means. But from the Fed perspective, like, uh, yeah, I, I was so surprised. You made it so clear. Uh, which is just so rare <laughs> uh, to hear, you know, somebody from the Fed actually say uh, very clearly, like a, a metric, you know, Bullard is out there yelling about 100 basis points by July, but um, to, to hear Powell say that, yeah, is pretty surprising. Um, I, I just it's think like it's like an FOMC meeting almost. It was almost like a press conference, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's it's crazy. Yeah. 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 Go, go ahead. Uh, but yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a, a pretty good point. And at the time, he didn't seem super worried about, you know, contagion from Russia. I'm not sure if his views have changed since all these sanctions have rolled out, because I mean, like, I think a lot has happened sanction wise since he spoke. But um, yeah, I mean, it'll just be interesting because like they're going to have to balance like people are th starting to throw around the stagflation word again. Uh, so he's going to they're going to have to be a little bit careful around around that. But I think they're also in between. I mean, both every central bank right now is in between a rock and a hard place where it's like, okay, I do have my dan I have my dual mandate of, you know, price stability and maximum employment, but also geopolitical risk makes all of that so uncertain and so hard. Um, so I think their main goal is probably just going to be price stability, right? Like how do we just make sure that things are okay, that funding markets aren't freaking out that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, so because the USD is like a little bit of a safe haven at the moment too, so it's just like there's so many different things that they. I do not envy their position. Um, there's a lot no. that they have to think about. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. Well. I. Regardless of the like uh, Ukraine and Russia, I. I wouldn't envy their position either. Sure. Um, yeah. But it is. Yeah, it's a super interesting time. You know, especially like what you're saying about the dollar too. Like, okay, yeah, it's probably dollar bullish but then it's kind of like longer term big picture is this like a de-dollarization of everything is this like is the dollar like a you know so what do you think of that that aspect of it that's probably yeah. beyond Powell's term and all that too but you know um well I think during that same testimony he was like there can be two reserve currencies in the yeah. world so <laughs> uh, but I think like it's, it's interesting right uh, there's been a lot of really good discourse around that like Zoltan has come out and essentially um he wrote a note the other day where it was uh, kind of scary um where it was like talking about the Chinese currency and that could be like the reserve currency too uh and like all this stuff is going to make people uh, all the sanctions are going to make people not want to be based on the dollar. Like Iran uh, asked Europe to do the gas payments, right, or the oil payments in euros instead of dollars. So I think that we're going to see 
people begin to sort of switch away from the dollar because now the dollar is a weapon. And I think China is paying very close attention to that. But, you know, is the Chinese currency the best reserve currency? I'm not sure. I, I think the dollar at the end of the day, like the, for now, the U.S. government is still the most stable government, is still the biggest, still has the most military, oomph, which really is kind of, if you think about it, the reason the dollar is reserve currency. So I'm not sure what will end up happening. I don't see a world where it kind of, I don't see another alternative, um, but who knows, you know? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, well, there is one uh, potential one called crypto, which I know that you uh, are very. That's reserve currency? No, 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 that's just. Oh, it's <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, as reserve reserve currency, uh, just based on right now, uh, I would put the yuan closer to crypto than mm-hmm. close to the dollar in terms of reserve currency status, global reserve currency status. Um, but we'll see. Who knows what what could happen? Anything could happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think because I think Jeremy Powell was talking about when he was saying like what, uh, the two reserve currencies are possible. I think the other one he was talking about was in context of the yuan, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but if I could just pick your your mind for a second about crypto, you know, and crypto's kind of is is it is it crypto's time to shine right now in light of Ukraine and all that? Like it's in a different light right now. What do you make of that? So, like uh, to a disclaimer, I'm a fan of crypto. I own crypto. I really like it. Uh, but I'm a little surprised on how it's acted. I this is kind of like like to your point. This is its time to shine, and I just haven't seen it shining the way that I thought. Um, you know, I think it's it's a little bit tough because of sanctions and everything. Uh, but and like you did see the Russian people sort of going into Bitcoin. Like you saw upticks and flows there. Um, you saw Ukrainian people sort of go into Bitcoin too. And then a, a really cool thing about everything has been the crypto donations too. Ukraine, like it helped buy $15 million USD of weapons, right? Which is really uh, useful for them right now. But like uh, when a geopolitical crisis happens, I, I, I would have expected to see crypto trade upwards, but I think it's kind of hard because of the broader risk off movement in the market. And unfortunately, there's so much institutional money in crypto right now that it trades like the NASDAQ. Um, and so that's just how you've seen it moving. Um, and I think that's how a lot of big institutions see it is not as like this, you know, I guess, libertarian ideology of anti-government, but rather just another way to get exposure to tech. So um, this is something I've been like thinking a lot about, and I still don't quite know how I feel about it, but that's just been surprising. It's like, it's become a tech tool versus like anti-censorship, anti-government, et cetera. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I I totally agree that it's because because of the fact that it's, um, you know, you're pulling forward so much of the future, of course, it's mm-hmm. going to be a risk asset um, in terms of price action behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, though, and this is what I'm really split on is like, okay, so it's great that you're able to fund Ukrainians with via, via crypto. At the same time, if sanctioned oligarchs or whoever they may be from uh, Russia are 
using that very same method to evade sanctions. That's where crypto is like, you know, its advantages are the reasons for a regulatory clampdown or like it could be seen as both like a, a positive or negative for the, for the same reason. And so I don't know where the forces combined collectively will, you know, how that battle will, will be. I just know that it's in this current light as like, okay, here's the functional purpose it's serving. Mm -hmm. How are, how is that going to net net play out? You know, and I really, I'm totally split on that. L longer term, uh, you know, I would believe in it, except I'm, I fear the regulatory overreach potential. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, that, I totally agree with you. I think that's like the biggest worry with all crypto is regulatory. And Biden has been working on this executive order for a while, and it kind of came out this week, um, which I don't know if it was ever official, if it's been officially published yet. But um, yeah, like in the EU is like, we hate crypto. <laughs> um, so it's just going to be tough, I think. Yeah. What do you think? Why do you think Mr. Gensler is dragging his feet? He, we know that he know. He knows that we know that he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he knows the, the subject, right? Like, is he yeah. just uh, like, I don't mm -hmm. want to deal with it, do you think? Or is he thinking really hard about it? I mean, he knows a lot about it, to your point. Like, he taught that MIT class on exactly. Bitcoin. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I think for him, like, and Powell addressed this in his testimony, too. I think it's just like, it's this big uncertain thing, and they don't really like how it's utilized, I think. Um, and it's largely unregulated. So I think for them, like, they're just like, the SEC's plan right now, like they did with BlockFi, is just to sue companies and sort of like learn about the process that way and have the companies do the work for them. So I think that's kind of his thing is like, there's still so much to learn and it's a lot easier to sue companies and learn versus like, uh, you know, going, going in deep. So that is why I think it's taking so long because <laughs> uh, that's the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, very matter of fact and frank. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, anyway, um, so we're gonna we gotta wrap up here, uh, Kyla. But um, I don't know if you have any like sort of la last final words, last thoughts for given these crazy times um, or not. You can save them for your <laughs> for your content. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think it's definitely, it's sort of crazy time to be around. Like I was thinking about it this morning. Um, so I started work uh, six months before COVID happened. Like that was my adulthood. Um, so I've like never lived through a normal market, <laughs> I think. And so I like in terms of being an adult in the finance world, and I think a lot of newer investors are in that same boat uh, and it can get really overwhelming, but I also believe in reversion to the mean. Uh, so I think things will normalize hopefully over time. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my last words is reversion to the mean is a powerful tool. <laughs> well, well, let me let me ask you what what is your definition of normal though? Um, right. Yeah. Reason, like, like I'm not trying to be like philosophical or anything. Like, like I really want to know like what what do you consider to be a normal market? You know, uh, um, what are we reverting yeah. to? What's the mean that we're, we're reverting to? I suppose. Yeah, I don't know because like I you know arguably in 2018 that wasn't really it hasn't been normal since 2008 and then it really wasn't normal before that. So mm -hmm. I think just like maybe less world events happening, um, that would be cool. Uh, that would be a little more normal. Yeah. Understood. Well, um, you know you mentioned before, but like where where could if, so, if someone wants to, to find you? Would yeah, you... yeah. So it's yeah. it's pretty simple because my name is like you know my name is only I think there's only like three Kyla Scanlans in the world um so just google Kyla Scanlan and there are two others <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to buy one of them. They have the Instagram handle, Kyla. I really want. Um, so yeah, but uh, just Kyla scan across everything um, on YouTube newsletters, kyla.substack.com. And yeah, you know, always happy to answer questions too and Twitter DMs. So uh, thank you, Kyla, for not just your time today, but like, thank you seriously uh, for all that you do. Um, if not on behalf of the audience, certainly on behalf of, you know, myself, um, I've used you as a resource before, like I was saying with when I was doing my Evergrande video and nobody was talking really about LGFEs and I checked to see if this is something worthy of mentioning and then you would mention it. I was like, okay, good. So this is not just like, <laughs> and so I, I truly do value what you do. Um, please keep it up because at least I depend on it. <laughs> so, but thank you very much for, for everything that you do. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.